Welcome to Micah Bradford Connected, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So, let's connect, where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Micah Bradford Connected. Welcome back to Connected. I'm Micah Bradford, your host, and I am happy to kick off our second segment and episode with Tanya Alexander, aka also known as my mom. Uh, for those of you who've listened to part one, you know and have heard about her tremendous journey through ongoing health issues as a child, an adult in living with chronic pain that, with the support of many practitioners, was left unfound, whether it was because of the technology or or just the evolution that had to occur in the medical processes and procedures. And, and so today, we're going to pick back up and talking about her journey and where chronic pain and back surgeries and a multitude of interventions left her that became the tipping point of relinquishing to pain medication, the desperation, the pain, the struggle, and how that turned into, um, I don't know if I'd call it a physical addiction, because the it, body, it I, was, I don't know how- It was never emotional, It was, it, but it was. My body was definitely addicted. Uh, emotionally, right. I hated the medication. I didn't want to take it, but and honestly, you know, I knew I couldn't couldn't even put a sentence together. Somebody'd ask me something, I say, "What'd you ask?" But it, it didn't really. And I had a, a dear friend who kept saying, "The medication, you need you need to stop. You need to stop just quietly because I was really reactive because you see these things where people say, "Oh, I was on medication. I lost my mind." Well, reality for me was I did lose my mind. The medication, the combination, at the time I was taking 23 medications. I was throwing up all day, every day. I was skin and bones. Nothing would stop the throw-ups. They kept saying, you got to eat, got to eat. Every time I ate, it's good going down. It isn't very good coming back up. And so I just, it was like, no, 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 no. The pain was horrific. Um, It seemed like every part of my body was saying, we're done, we're done. And... um, I really didn't feel the brunt of it until I don't have casual friendships. I don't. My friends are lifelong friends. I started losing people. And then the dear friend that kept saying, you need to do the, the medications killing you. You're dying. And then when people started falling out of my life, I realized that um, there was a really big problem. And so when I finally realized, I can't even believe I did because I was angry I was hurting. I cannot even imagine what it was like to have been my ex-husband. The tragedy, the real tragedy here is that it doesn't just affect one person. It affects the whole family. And some of the medications, I said things I didn't even remember that people told me about later. And I said, I never would have said that. And I said, yeah, but you did. And it, it just hurts so bad. There was so much damage done. But there again, the doctors had done everything they knew. They were told, if you do this combination of things, it will help. It never helped with the pain. That was my lowest point. And I thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And um, so I started getting things for my grandkids. You know, like for a wedding, for graduation, 16th birthdays, whatever. All the special landmarks in their lives that I didn't think I was going to be around for. And in the middle of that, I'm thinking that I'm not going to survive because my body is just falling apart. Shutting down. The other part of it was I thought, I don't want to live like this. I do not want to live where all I do is lay in this bed. I hurt so bad. I really can't communicate with anybody because I'm so mad. And nobody understood. How could they? How could they understand? It's like being insane, you know, a mental pain. Because I was mental. 
and nobody knowing what to do with it because it was not me at all. I said things that I would never, ever in my life say. I don't call names. You know, I'll say, what have you thought about this? You know, and all of a sudden, I am not me anymore. And I am somebody else. And I'm, I feel like I'm trapped and I, I don't want to live because I don't want to hurt the people I care about. I don't want to keep on living like this. The pain is terrible. All this other stuff is going on. I mean, I could barely get to the bathroom by myself. And I think Phil found me unconscious in there one day. And, and I, he said, we're going to the doctor. I said, why are we going to the doctor? He said, well, you were unconscious in there. I said, no, I wasn't. It was really horrific. And um, I think that what people don't talk about is, and certainly my marriage was destroyed. It was. But the thing is, you have to know that even though people know you're sick and they know it's still so traumatic and you don't understand this person that you've known for years and years and years is not that same person anymore and all of a sudden you don't know you know you think who is this person and the, just the wear and tear phil and i did we did so many every alternative thing we could think of i can't even remember all of them i just felt like i was a guinea pig but I wanted to be normal. He wanted me to be normal. We just wanted to be able to find a way to live, you know, to do our lives every day. And so he caught most of it. He was the one living with me. Everybody else, not, I mean, they caught it, but not as much. So, and we'd been married almost 21 years, and I thought we were bulletproof, but we didn't survive it. But before it was all over, I'd gotten really upset, and I was just giving my clothes away to my daughter. And I mean, I I know I scared her to death. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it was just a horrible time. And I thought, I'm not gonna be here. I'm not gonna need it. And I always had, I own a gun. Always have. I would have never done that. I can tell you, I still remember. So a couple things that you said. I, I remember when you were purchasing those items whether it was the tiaras for the girls yep. or the cufflinks for Jeffrey and Jay. Or the little watches, remember, yeah. the pocket watches? Yeah. To this day, I remember you purchasing those. I remember you wrapping them yep. and, and giving them to me and saying that you wanted to be sure that the kids remembered you. And so there were so many things that led me to be concerned about, well, are, are we talking that you think you're going to die from natural causes, or are we talking that you're just done with it, that you, you had tried, you had continued to seek and search for solutions? And I remember one day when, when Dad had called, when Philip called, and he had said, you know, because you had your handgun in the closet, and he called and, and we talked and and between Granny and Pop and that we all agreed I'd go in and I would pretend to be looking for something in the closet to try and find it, which I should have known as smart as you are and as resourceful. I didn't find it. I had to ask. Well, there were kids around, so I always made sure that it was not in any place that my grandbabies could ever get near right. and even if you saw it you wouldn't know what it was i knew but because you have to protect your babies they didn't even know they didn't even know i had a gun well and, and rightfully so because they yeah. were all young yeah. but don't tell babies so. for me so i i remember this day vividly and then we started in the conversation and then it one thing led to another to another to another and that's when you I don't even remember how it all happened, but I just remember oh, yeah. the next thing I knew, I'm in the front yard and you're upset and, and I couldn't fix it. I, it was so hard for me because I could see the pain and I felt like that it didn't matter what I said. It was, it was a pressure point. I couldn't say anything right. Now I know and I get it. Yeah, there and wasn't anything you could, because I was crazy then. Yeah, no, I think that was probably the one time in your desperate. entire life you've called me names that I had, that we've never, it, would, it wasn't I would you. never call yeah. you a name, ever. Right, and so I just remember being in the, the front yard, and you just 
Even with your back hurting, you were just, it was almost like just this manic the adrenaline or whatever. Just yeah, pulling stuff out of the closet and throwing them in the yard and throwing them in my car and and it it was devastating. Yeah. As a child, I just remember driving, leaving your house, and I'm just I'm sobbing and I'm just like I. I can't fix it. I don't know what to do. And at this point... And it's not anything like who I am, who I ever was before or have been since. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And... Shocking. And Jake was already diagnosed with autism. He was older because this was like a 4th of July weekend Um, type thing. I've been in this apartment for 17 years, so however old that... He's 24. Yep. So So he was a little guy. So... but I just remember that helplessness because I had already started my journey on finding answers for him. And I was so upset that I couldn't find the answers for you. And so I just remember having to be that person in that scenario. And and I wasn't even there all the time. Mm-mm. And so I couldn't fathom what it was like for you or for, for dad to to go through that. But... To see the despair and and what it caused, and when you talk Hopelessness. about it, yeah, and mm. void of hope, complete no, no hope, and to know that you were on twenty three to twenty four medications, I'll tell mm. you that hits home with me tremendously now, because from being in management at one of the most successful, largest compounding pharmacies in the southern region of the United States for over five years. For becoming certified as a pharmacy technician, for being a nutritionist, that even to this day, the the companies and the clients and the partners that I work with, one of the first things that I suggest is looking at drug to drug interactions, looking at the research. You know, now we have phenomenal new supports. You know, I, I see where. The verdict is out depending on the discipline and, and specialty of medicine, but on pharmacogenomics testing, which is the testing of looking at how each individual metabolizes certain drugs because there are specific genes that are used. So it would be equivalent to if I have two trucks, one's diesel and one runs on gas. I would want to make sure that I'm putting the proper fuel for the engine to run right. It was like you put them together and let them match. Yes. That's what it was like for me. It was. And, and what's scary is that recently, to drive home the point even further, one of my partners, we were providing some support for a family. It was a, a young teenager that had multiple health issues and comorbidities, was on 24 medications, had just left an ER maybe a week or two before, was presenting with certain symptoms, And when we took the time to run the drug-to-drug interactions together, there were nine major interactions. And many of the symptoms that this this teenager was presenting with could have easily been the reactions from the medications. And so I think that one of the things that we have to be so mindful of, especially this day and age, is you can't take for granted. And when you have multiple physicians and multiple specialties, Somebody has to be the the dot connector, exactly the gatekeeper, the person that that checks and double checks. Although I share, I will say I shared with all my doctors every medication I took. But if, if it's not their discipline, you know, it's like you said, they know this, this one knows this, this one knows this, and when you put them all together, it's not what they do. Well, and I think from my perspective of working with many clinicians. And and being in seeing uh, the clinicians and their patients in whether it's a pharmacy setting, a hospital setting, a private practice setting, that there's so much more to drug to drug interactions, to rates of metabolizing. You know, for for all of you car junkies out there, you'll understand the burn rate. If you have a, an engine that's a 250 horsepower versus a 500 horsepower significantly different. Your burn rate through your fuel is going to be tremendously different. And so it's the same thing with our drugs. And then add on the layers of medications with food interactions, 
that can occur, not as common, but does happen. So there are a number of things, but I, I look back and think how traumatic that the very meds and what we suggest in working with practitioners and for patients, for the person being treated is that you keep a diary, you keep a log of the medication that you've been given and you ask your practitioner, what is the purpose? What is our goal with this medication? Because often, even if you get the drug monographs, the uh, practitioner may be using the drug off label and that's fine. But you need to know what was their reasoning as to why they suggested drug A and why they told you to take it X, Y, and Z. Because if and when there comes a moment in time that you have a conglomerate of symptoms and issues, you have to be able to be systematic, to have some kind of reasoning, to look back and know what was the last drug that was added? At what point, when did your symptoms start? So that the practitioners, along with their pharmacist, can peel back the layers in a systematic manner and help them determine what meds are critical versus which meds should we start to discontinue or DC first. There's a method to the madness. And I can't encourage the listeners enough that the greatest gift you can give yourself is A, Always get copies of your lab results whenever you have blood work done with your physicians. Keep them on hand. Any procedures, keep the notes. And on your medications, when they prescribe something, ask why. Know what the function is. Note when you started it, why you started it, and what the reasoning was for the dosing that was being done. That is the greatest knowledge and gift you can give yourself to empower yourself to be an advocate to be a good partner, a good patient, to work with your doctor. Because in your situation, I can't imagine you're throwing up every day. Every day, all day, every day. It was like, I, I never knew. I had a plastic bag everywhere I went. I never knew. Because at this point, the pain meds and trying to mitigate the pain, that wasn't um, a win no, it, over it was a, a thro- puking and throwing up Major, major lose. And... Um, you know, the other thing that I would suggest about, I make changes in my life now. I don't take a lot of medications now, but any change I make, I try to do one at a time. That way, if there's a negative reaction, I know what it was. So, and the other thing I would say is people, I've had friends say, I tried it a week. It didn't work. No, you need to give it longer. Most things don't work within a week. You need to give it a proper amount of time. You know, due diligence is so important you have to really, the doctors do the very best they can. It is your body. And whatever happens, you're going to suffer either the good or the bad, or maybe in between. But it's going to be you, not your doctor. And so pay attention. A lot of things, I just kind of bloom off. Eh, you know, I'm not going to be a whiner. I'm not going to whine. It's okay. No big deal. And then pretty soon, it's a snowball. And it's a nightmare. I didn't get on those 23 drugs in a day. It's like, Okay, here, now we had this symptom, so we just started treating symptoms. And then pretty soon, it was, I lost my mind. And going back to the gun and all that, I knew somebody that killed themselves. It devastated their family. It it was still major. I had a plan, but I had medication set back. And I thought, okay, I would have never shot myself. But I couldn't do it. I just kept thinking how devastated that family was for years and years and years. Well, what did we miss? What could we have done? And I could not do that to my family. Thank goodness I had a little bit of brain power working. And when I finally realized that the medication was the problem and it wasn't going to make my pain go away and that my life had been devastated by it, and I didn't trust anybody at that point. I didn't. I said, okay. I know who got me into this mess, so I'm going to get out of it. And I just cold turkey, and I'm not saying that's what you should do, but I quit taking all those medications on the same day all at once. Withdrawal was horrendous. I never did illegal drugs, never. I was so careful because I wanted normal kids. I didn't want to do anything that could hurt them or me. And then it was just funny that, you know, what I got messed up on was the other stuff but I was never emotionally addicted 
I never liked taking medication. It was just nothing had worked. I was desperate. I just thought, okay, there was one drug in particular. Okay, this one will really help. Well, it didn't work. Which one was that? Oxycontin. Mm. And my doctor later said, because I said, I just want to know what happened. Why did I lose my mind? This was after, you know, I was already living alone. I had PTSD for six years, woke up crying and screaming every night. And this was a psychologist. At the time, he was who I saw for pain. And I said, I don't understand. What happened? What happened? That wasn't me. I've lost. My whole world is destroyed. I want to understand. And he said, a lot of people, there's a binding agent in OxyContin. He said, for some people, it's a flipping point. I'll never know if it was that or all the combination. I'll never know. But I knew my life was devastated. I kept saying, when is this screaming and crying? When is it going to leave? And he said, because I'm an action person. I said, what can I do? You can do nothing. Time will take care of it. So for six years, and it was really hard to forgive everybody, to forgive myself. I mean, you don't call your children names. I would never, you know, and to know that my family was devastated by it. My life was devastated. There were long-term people that were no longer in my life. And I just couldn't understand. And I thought, why did this happen? And honestly, you know, it's terrible. I was going through my Bible and I said, there's got to be some loophole in here. I shouldn't have to forgive them because all I did was get sick and do what I was told to do. And look, I've lost everybody and everything. Well, for me, it was a good place to be because it helped me get past a lot of anger and hurt. But it was hard to get my head straight. You cannot take that kind of medicine. And to this day, my short-term memory's fried. When I talk to people, I interrupt. I don't mean to. My brain just hops, 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 hops. It's hard to deal with. It's hard for people who talk to me to deal with. My daughter, my son, who talked to me probably the most, are like, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I will tell you, though, that I will take any day, be able (laughs) to see you again in your eyes, to be able. You don't want that crazy lady back? (laughs) She was so endearing and so sweet. I'm sure you want her back. Well, I will take a pass on that. <laughs> I want, I'm taking a pass on that one, too. Um, but to be able to have you here, to know that you still struggle with pain, mm. but to be able to have a conversation with you, for you to have regained your independence to be able to live on your own. And we'll talk about some of that looks different. It's a lot different. Right. But. But. I'm here. I am here. I'm still here. And you have your faculties about you. Well, as limited as they've always been, yeah. I have them to a degree. I do. I do have them. The short-term memory was really hard to deal with at first, and I would get really angry because I couldn't remember. I mean, little things. I live alone like, where's the remote for the TV? Well, I found it in the refrigerator one day, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I have Alzheimer's. I've lost my mind. But it's just part of it, and now I don't get upset. I just laugh. It's like, okay, I'm still here. And it's a choice. But for me, my faith was the glue that held me together when I was ready. I just didn't see how I could go another day. How could God use me? I'm a waste of skin. I'm laying in this hospital bed all day. I can't do anything. I used to help people. I liked helping people. I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, because literally your transition was you were relegated to... It was dramatic. No longer driving. No, no. No. You were dependent on wheelchair. other people to other get people. you to from, or in your wheelchair. Yep. You can today walk some. No, not, not very far. And the thing with walking is what I never know is that sometimes it'll be like, and I know it's a nerve, it's like a bright light, and it hurts so bad I can't even breathe, and I'll be in the floor. Even because I live in a tiny apartment, and I always have something to hold on to. And I never know. So I'm terrified. It, well, it hurts, and I'm terrified of that because I don't want to end up with a broken hip or down and the commercial, I'm down and I can't get up. You know, I don't want to be that person. But I'm here, and overall, my mind is back. I can read. I mean, I never thought I'd be playing video games. Who would have thought my mission field would be Xbox Live? I mean, come on. I used to go to GameStop because they would sell movies. I watch a lot of movies. When you're in a hospital bed, you have to read a lot, watch a lot of movies. And one of the guys there, he said, have you ever thought about playing video games? And I went, what? 
I don't remember you ever playing them, but Ryan played Nintendo 64 and... Um, I did a little of that, but that, or actually, no, it wasn't Nintendo. Ooh, we're going to take this way back. It was the computer. Yeah. It was the Commodore. Yeah, 64. Commodore 64. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And remember when it would have a pyramid, and yes. it was just words. Okay, yeah. here, which way are you going to go? Yeah. And it was like, now, man, video games, it's all, you see it all, you know, it's like, right. wow. But anyway, one of the kids there said, well, have you ever thought about playing video games? And he brought out a handheld. I'm old. And I went... Are you kidding me? I'm old, dude. How am I supposed to? So then I ended up getting an Xbox. The beauty of it was, I'm not good. I'm still not good. But my grandson then, he was like, Grammy, my Grammy plays video games. And I was like, oh, wow. And so then I got on Xbox Live. And and generally, I'm not comfortable talking with people I don't know. But because of my grandson and his friends, they would come over on weekends and they would hook up their systems to the other TV and I'd be playing mine. And, and so they, I met all these young people and my gamer tag is Grammy T. Loves. So they said, are you really a Grammy? And I went, why would I say, why would I put that for I didn't know everybody lied then. I thought, I thought, hey, yeah, you know, you tell the truth. That's how I was brought up. And so... I've been able to touch some people's lives. I don't know what God has done with those seeds, but I've tried to love these people and give them a little bit of direction without being condescending or whatever. And I feel like I have a purpose and it's helped me emotionally. Who would have thought? You know, my friend said, oh, you've gone to the dark side. All video games are evil. And I said, there are some, there are some, but I'm an adult. I know right from wrong. Playing a video game isn't gonna change what I believe or how I conduct my life. It's not. But for somebody in a hospital bed, it is a welcome distraction, even if, you know, my grandson, he would start rage. I say, it's only game, only game. So he was here one day, and I got real frustrated. And he said, it's only a game, Graham. And I went, but, you know, it's not fun. Your words come back to you. But, you know, just to be here and, and to be able to play those games with him, even though I don't play well, just to be able to to touch somebody's life, to feel like I'm not a waste of skin, that all I do is hibernate in here because I, I don't feel good, don't get out a lot. I do thank you, God. I have an electric wheelchair that's dying. But, you know, for right now, God takes care of fools and idiots. I'm in both categories. So when the time comes, it'll all work out. But, you know, I cross a five-lane highway, and I used to joke, say, I play Frogger, you know, because people just don't pay attention. Now there's a traffic light, and I still play Frogger. Isn't that funny? But anyway, you know, so I can get out. I can't go to the grocery store. My doctor, the GP that I see, is within range from my wheelchair. So I never thought I would be able to basically take care of myself. That and Amazon, because they can deliver to my door. So for a lot of people who can't go anywhere, Amazon Prime is wonderful for me because I read books. I get free books with it. So, I mean, you know, it's really, it helps to burn the hours because depression is always there. Pain is always there. When you live with it, you live with pain for so many years. It's kind of like, you know, when a headache's coming, you just go, oh, oh, okay. And so every now and then it sneaks up on me and I'll have some really black days. But generally, generally, I can tell when it's hitting And even if I just open my front door and go sit in the sun, even if I don't see anybody, it helps that I can go do that. And then I'll just look at the trees and the sky and be thankful that I'm here to see them because I came so close to not being here. And so God has been so good to me. And it's been hard. I've always been told I'm strong. But, you know, there's sometimes in your life you just don't want to be strong. You just want to give up and just say, I'm done. And I've been at that point. I never thought I would because I'm positive. And if you're old enough, there was a movie called Pollyanna. And Haley Mills found something to be glad about every day. And for me, I find something to be thankful about. Now, people around this area where I live know me as a crazy little old lady in the wheelchair because I wave at them and say hi. And um, I'm not always nice. I mean, some of them, they give me a dirty look, and I think, and may the bird of paradise fly up your nose. And I thought, no, 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 that's wrong. That is wrong, Grammy. No, no. Or I'm thinking, I need bigger wheels on this wheelchair because 
they need to be run over. And it's like, a, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. So, you know, I pray for them and I just say, God, please bless them. Give them a better day. But if I can be a light somewhere, you never know when just saying hi, just waving at somebody is going to make a difference in their lives because so many people are hurting now, whether it's physical, emotional, or whatever. And it's okay to have the bad days. It is. You just have to know that you have to hang on because you never know when the next day is going to be a good one. And I I can't even imagine, I didn't realize to the extent of how many years you struggled with the, and I'm assuming when you said PTSD and the waking up with the night terrors, was that... It was because of all the trauma of what I'd been through. I'd never was it the same scenario or more? pretty much? Yeah, pretty much. It was it was just a nightmare. You know, I just couldn't get past it, and I kept saying, "When is it going to end?" And it was so cool when all of a sudden I went, "Oh my gosh, that hadn't happened in two weeks!" Oh, thank you, God. I mean, if I could have danced, I would have been dancing because it's emotionally you're trying to deal with the drama, the trauma, and it doesn't go away. There's still some days that it's like something come up and I think oh I did it's not fair well life isn't fair that's reality and I have to fight it and and for me with what I believe I just say get behind me in Jesus name no I'm not going I'm not going to go down that road you are not going to steal my joy and my peace whatever works for you then no I can I can completely relate to that because there are times where I am dealing with Jake I can't even imagine um, Dolan it's hard, and it's hard because you you have to make a choice to how many more stones are you going to turn over? Yep. How much more money are you going to spend? These are things you've dealt with yep. with your health. Even now, with natural things, I still have to, I have a limited budget, and I still have to decide, well... Pick and choose. Yeah, pick and yeah. choose, but, you know, it's okay. But I think that... With you, it's different with Jakey. Well, no, because it's the same thing, because... You have to have as much wisdom and discernment in making the choices of what makes sense. And you know, I just think it's easier to make that choice for yourself and for your children. You just want so bad. I mean, you're a grown woman, and I still just want to make it better. What can I do to make it better? And it's, I think that's just part of being a parent. And it, I think it just takes it to a different level. It's different for me. I'm making choices for myself. You're making choices for Jacob that will affect you and everybody else, too. That's big. Well, and it is. And there's so many things that come into play. There's the emotional, the spiritual, the financial, the relationship, the people around you, your family. And so it's, it's very similar to the obstacles and barriers that you have had to deal with and overcome. And what is exciting for me is to be able to be with you today, to look at the victories and to see Mm. what's amazing is that you had so many different facets in your life. You had so much and that was taken away by the health issues, by the drugs, by the medications, but to see how you can be joyful where you're at with the resources and the people, that's the testament. You know, we talk about life, and the real key for all of us is being adaptable. It's, it's being adaptable and being able to to respond to your circumstance, yeah. no matter what that circumstance is for that day. And for me, like with Jake, in the times where he's loud, maybe he's in pain, maybe he's just mad. I don't know. For me to be able to talk through the circumstance in my mind to remain calm, it is absolutely an exercise in willful, mindful self-control and decision-making. Because I'm not going to lie, there are many times I've just wanted to scream right back. I've seen your control. I've seen it cross your face and you just... You snag it, man. It's like, uh uh-uh. You know, you go into autopilot. I I tell people that we are warriors, people that deal with chronic health issues. But I'll tell you, there's a certain level of something different. When you are trained, you have to go into autopilot thinking mode. And every emotion has to be cut off. You can't be reactive. You don't have the luxury to be emotionally reactive. 
because it will get you nowhere. It does not accomplish the goal, and quite often it can make things worse. And quite honestly, that's true for most of us. The difference is that most people have more leeway to get by with doing the adult temper tantrum or the barking at your child in a way that probably isn't going to yield any results. I think I've done that a time or two. (laughs) But how many parents do that? Yeah, I mean, you're human. It's so hard because books don't come with your children. You don't know everything they need or exactly how they feel. You know, you do the best you can. And I know this isn't where you thought you would be in your life. This isn't where I thought this wasn't my plan for my life. But you made a choice to make the best of it. I've tried to do that and be grateful every day. You know, if I wake up, I figure it's another day to pay you and your brother back for when y'all were just rotten little teenagers. No, <laughs> you know, I'm just great. I'll take that. I'm grateful for every day. Well, yeah, my mom and dad are just still waiting because of what a rotten teenager I was, you know. It's like, sorry, guys. You know, well, that's why they're still here. Yeah, anyway, so it's accepting that you're limited in what you can do. I can't go back and undo everything that happened because the medicine. I can make different life choices about what I will and won't allow in my body, how active I am my research that I do, I do not take, I don't care what their degree is, I double check. I want to know because I'm going to be the one affected, not the person with all the letters after their name. It's going to be me. And I've lived it firsthand. And that doesn't mean my doctor now is a great doctor. I love him. You know, they've all been trained here to take this. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, no, talk to my hand because you know I'm not doing that. And if I can find something natural, I do it. But sometimes, like my thyroid, I have to take medication. So you have to decide, talk to your doctor, but you need to be proactive and know what is going on. Just like Mike said, why? What is the reason? Do your research. You know, you don't have to buy a $700 PDR now. Now you can Google and find out pretty much whatever you want to know. So do your research because if you don't, and I didn't, If you don't do your research, then the price you can pay can be really, really big. But then again, everything is a learning process. This isn't where I thought I would be, but I'm here. I'm still here. And you found your purpose. I I did. I did. Out of all of this, what I want people to hear, whether again, whether it's the adult, whether it's the spouse, the partner, whether it's the parent of a child that has chronic health issues or or somebody that's had addiction issues. Absolutely. That you can find your purpose. You can. They can find their purpose. And that out of the trauma that that new beginnings can occur. Can. And I think it's getting to a place of accepting where you're at versus where you thought you would be, but having the ability and motivation to make the choice, because we've already said this is about choices. Yes, it is. It gets to a place where it's not where you run on emotions, where things no. feel good, feel great, look good, look great. No. It is a decision. Well, and even the decision when I realized that this is my life. And for me, I realized there was nothing in the world that was going to take my pain away. It is something, and that was really hard for me to realize that I was done being a guinea pig that I had tried all these things, and I really felt like I'd been a guinea pig. We'd put a lot of money on it. We Alternative wasn't paid for by insurance, so my ex-husband and I spent a lot of money trying to do it. But, you know, the reality is I live with pain every day. Some days are worse than others. Some things aggravate it more than others. But I live for the good days, the days that I can go out and I can talk to people. I love playing online. It's just different to actually I've lived in this area now for 17 years so I know most of the employees at a lot of the places and that I go and just to be able to hug them or or just how are you doing it's just it's amazing what that does to your spirits and as long as the weather's with me if I'm having a bad day they don't know it but just by going and seeing them and smiling at other people and the people that smile back don't let the people who don't smile bring you down Pray for a blessing for them and hope and pray that they can be as blessed as you are just to be here. 
and I'm the little old lady in the grocery store that talks everybody's ear off. Oh my gosh, I'm that person now. But a lot of choices, and some of them I wouldn't have made, but it is what it is. I do what I can do. I make the changes I can make, and I'm happy with the rest of it. It's been a long, long, long journey, and my face, it shows. You know, you can't go through all that and it not affect you, but frankly, I figure every wrinkle I have is a blessing because I'm here to have it. And I am so grateful every day that even though things were so bad with my family because I was such a looney tune, that now it's not like that. Now we've worked through it. It was hard. There were so many hurt feelings and people just didn't understand. They thought I just, you know, I just turned it over. I'd gone to the dark side like Darth Vader, I guess, you know, that that the good Tanya was long gone. And, And it took a long time, even after getting off all the medicine. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to say it again, but withdrawal was a nightmare. And you know what? I did it all alone in my room. I gave all my medicine to my husband at the time and said, no matter what I say, do not give it back to me. I never asked for it. Thank goodness I wasn't emotionally addicted, but my body, man, when people now start talking about withdrawal, man, oh, just, ooh, it just, you know, it. I can still remember feeling like there were bugs under my skin and every hair on my body hurt. It was as traumatic as being crazy was. It was so hard. And I just kept saying, God, please give me the strength. I don't want to ask for I'm not going back there. I refuse to go back there. And, you know, I got through it. And it was hard. It was that, getting off the medicine and going through withdrawal, that and trying to patch things up with my family. And we're just trying to get my head straight because I didn't know what anything was anymore. You know, who am I? Maybe I am that horrible, awful person. It was the trauma that was in the wake of all of that and all the changes in my life that happened was so hard. And then just trying to figure out who am I? Who am I? Am, am I that awful person? And Because I never believed that medicine could do that. I just thought, yeah, they're just making an excuse. Well, that's not true. You get the wrong combinations, and that's based on your body. The doctors don't know that ahead of time. The DNA testing can help so that they have an idea of, okay, this would be good, this would not, which we didn't have then. We didn't have any of that. And that's one of the things that as we see science is continuing to evolve. Thank you, God. um, We have... A couple different encampments within the, the different medical specialties, some that value and will automatically include the pharmacogenomics testing with their patients as part of their plan of care. And then we have some that still say, well, the verdict's out and this, that. My personal opinion is that when we are looking at taking any antidepressants, pain medications, psychotropic drugs, anything that is going to be body, mind, or mood altering. Not to mention the compatibility issues with certain blood pressures and statins or blood thinners. I personally, after working with so many different behavior analysts and people that data is everything, I would absolutely err on the side of using the data from a pharmacogenomics test first and trying the medications that were shown to be the most compatible with my different phenotypes versus not using that. Throwing mud at the wall to me does not make sense in a world where we are doing personalized medicine and we are promoting it for so many different things, even like for cancer. And so I had one practitioner recently that had said, well, You know, then we have patients that maybe a drug wasn't tried that really could help them. And I'm thinking, well, no, you go through the list of drugs first that show that they would be most compatible. Then if relief or success in treatment is not encountered, then you start looking. We go from least to most. But in a world where I've seen lives devastated, where I've seen individuals who do not have a voice have horrific reactions that manifest physically and behaviorally, I would absolutely every day, all day long, bet my last nickel in utilizing something that has some kind of analytics or data to it 
and then going backwards. And so when you've lived through the hell that you've lived through, Mm -hmm. when you've lived through the circumstances I've lived through with the kids, you realize that if there's not that component, you could be playing roulette with your life for years. Yeah. For years. Six years of PTSD and it, it was probably, I don't know, two or three years before I could even get my head straight. And the other thing I want to say is don't be afraid to try natural things. I mean, you can find so much on the internet and we all know everything on the internet's right, right? Well, not, not. (laughs) So just recently, this doctor was talking about leaky gut and I have had no energy. I mean, it's been really, really bad. And I just thought, I'm 67. Is this it? And so I was doing a little research on YouTube, and this doctor said, if you try chicory root, symbiotic, probiotic, and B-complex, that two things can happen. You can lose weight, which isn't my concern because I don't want to lose weight, but, and have energy. And, you know, normally, whether it's a medication or something natural, it takes a month or two before you see any results. Within a week, I had energy. Friends were calling, they went, what happened to you? You sound really chirpy and you really haven't sounded chirpy in a long time or whatever you call it. And so I was shocked that within one week, but I knew when I did it, it may not work. So there's nothing wrong with trying some stuff. Just know that everything you read isn't true. Well, and I think that in echoing that, I think that the thing that we have to make sure too is that you're always comparing and contrasting and looking at Absolutely. what the physician has recommended, what's been prescribed. But I love that example because there are many things we know now about B supplements and complexes. Apple and cider vinegar with mother. So, but there's there's a plethora of different things there are. where with pH levels and so on. But the, the takeaway is that you don't lose hope. No. You continue to look for answers. Absolutely. You may have some failures, but you just cannot, even though emotionally it's devastating, it is, it's hard to keep up after, but you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other, so to speak. Keep trying. Well, and I think that when we keep trying, we hold on to hope and we put one foot in front of the other, and we also do it in a systematic manner. I agree. That in anything we're putting in our bodies, we've identified the why, the what for, the how much, the how long. And what is its relationship to the other things we're taking? Absolutely. Those are just some of the most basic things that we can do to be good partners, good patients. Absolutely. Working with our clinicians, but to maintain accountability and be an advocate for ourselves. You have to. You have to. Because nobody cares more about your body than you. Doctors care. They do the very best they can. But... Sometimes, just because it says something in a book, it's going to do that for it doesn't mean it will for you. It may for somebody else. And that goes back to the testing, to know what works for your body. Well, and I think just in closing that it goes back to accountability. Personal ownership and accountability. Absolutely. And making good choices, making the best educated choices you can. Take your own health. Have your own health in your own hands. doesn't mean you don't go to the doctor, but it means ultimately... You make the choices. You listen. You figure out what is the best thing. Ask the right questions at your doctor's office. And then go from there. But don't just blindly say, oh, okay. Well, I am so happy. I mean, to be able to walk through your journey, to have it presented in a way that people who are in the trenches, maybe they're battling. Oh, man opioid addictions right now, whether it's an emotional, whether it's a physical, maybe the fear, maybe it's, it's someone who's lost their family, their friends, their loved ones, regardless of what caused it. But to hear your victory, to hear how many years has it been now? It's almost 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the stuff, like I said, it's still there. It's still a battle. And I just choose the pain. Yeah. And depression and all the things that go with it. But at least I feel now I know what to do. Kind of like if you have a workout program, you get a pull a hamstring, you know what to do. I know what to do now. And on very few occasions, sometimes it surprises me and it gets by me without me realizing. You just pay attention. Pay attention to your body. 
and know what the symptoms are if you start going into depression or whatever and find something that will work to help you get out. And if you have to go to the doctor, get medication, then go do that. Do what you need to do to stay in a good place. And that's different for each and every one of us. Our journeys are different. Well, I am definitely thankful. I'm thankful for you, darling. And proud. And not as proud as I am of you. For the example that you have been for me. I made a lot of mistakes, did a lot of stuff the wrong way, but I did finally figure a few things out, kiddo. Well, on that note, I hope that our listeners have enjoyed hearing your inspirational story and I'm sure we'll have you back to touch on other things and maybe even some of the specific interventions and different things that you tried along the journey but I just want you to know mom that I love and appreciate you and because of you you're part of why connected is so important to me because of seeing the hope that you held on to and how you connected the dots to information and resources that ultimately connected me to a whole nother world that I would have not been aware of. So thank you. I personally believe that was a God thing. God was just walking us through. And you know, I think for all of us, if you go through something horrific, and if you can find that it helps somebody else, it doesn't change what you went through, but it certainly is something positive out of something that wasn't positive. So. You just hope and pray that if you can touch one person's life, if you can encourage them, which is what I try to do every day when I go out. And I think that in that note, it's finding the purpose. It is. It is. Absolutely. Because if you can find the purpose in the pain, then you can make a conscious choice of how to share your information, your motivation. Absolutely. Doesn't mean it's going to go away, but you find a way to have your life with it. So at this time, we'll close again. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Tanya Alexander and her journey through pain and purpose and finding a place again of prosperity and living her life. Totally. And I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day.